thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you uh, for your great love. Um, that uh, you weren't satisfied to leave us separate from you, but you made it possible for us to be restored to you. All because of what you did on that cross for us, all because of your great love for us. And we stand here this morning grateful. We stand here this morning redeemed because of what you did. And Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. We want to hear your voice. We want to know you more. We want to know the love and hope that we have in Jesus. And I pray that you will speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to church. Uh, welcome to Good Friday and a special welcome to all of those who are watching online. You're very much a part of this congregation as well, whether you're here or not. And um, it's my pleasure and privilege to speak to you on Good Friday. I always find that an honour because this is a very important day in our calendar, uh, possibly the most important day. We're in the middle of a series, getting towards the end of a series called Desire. Um, and I've been given the title, Jesus and the Weariness of Waiting. Who likes to wait? <laughs> no one. No one likes to wait. Uh, do you have a painful waiting story? Um, like having to wait in the doctor's surgery? Too long? Sorry. Um, or the hospital emergency ward? Maybe you've got a labour story that went way too long. Uh, so what I want you to do, just for a couple of moments, turn to the person next to you and tell them your painful waiting story. What is that? Take a couple of moments just to do that. What is your painful waiting story? Some people don't have a painful waiting story. Uh, and some people have very painful waiting stories. I'm going to tell you about one of mine. Thank you. This is my time, not yours. Um, I'm going to tell you about one of mine. Have you ever been on a long car journey with multiple young children? Now, I don't mean just a trip to Hobart or Devonport. That doesn't count. I mean an all-day drive, 8, 10, 12 hours plus. That's when the journey can be particularly painful. Who's done one of those? Yeah, too many of us. Uh, 16 hours was my longest family journey with four kids aged between zero and nine. Uh, we drove from my hometown in Wollongong um, to Brisbane, which was about 1,000 kilometres. And Ryan was just a new baby needing regular feeds. Uh, throw in a vomiting child about two hours into the journey. And the complication that these were in the days before smartphones, iPods, tablets, laptops and portable DVD players. So we, we were without those God... Um, these God-anointed long-journey distraction devices, um, otherwise known as gold -d 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 -d. Okay, 
I think at most we probably had about one Nintendo device between three kids who quickly lost the ability to share in those circumstances. <laughs> so what makes this uh, particular situation more hellish for a family with multiple children that none of you with only one child could fully appreciate is how bad the extra close proximity with multiple children can actually be. You're never going to get, with one child, you're never going to get the he's touching me, she's touching me argument. <laughs> if you do, you've got another problem. <laughs> and when you only have one child, if something goes wrong in the back, you know who it is. But when you have multiple children, it's often that nobody actually did it. Who did it? No one owns up. Was it me? Was it me? So on a long journey, they get restless. They get uncomfortable, tired, frustrated, hungry. They want to go to the toilet, often. They complain, they argue, they fight, and they get annoying. Or they are annoying. Um, I remember one such journey that it got so bad that one parent, not to be named, stopped the car, threatened to put them out of the car and make them walk for the rest of the journey. Uh, there were some definitely, definitely some tears there. And then there's the ever-annoying question, are we there yet? Uh, that gets repeated quite often. So while all that happens in the back of the car, what happens in the front of the car? I can tell you that we reasonably sane parents totally lost our sanity somewhere along the journey. And if you are travelling between Wollongong and Brisbane sometime, anytime soon, you may find our sanity still there. Uh, and along the journey, we become exhausted. I remember being so frazzled 10 hours into the journey that a stationary post ran into the car while I was reversing in the, in the McDonald's car park. They jump out in front of you. Uh, and now I'm thinking evil thoughts about my own children. <laughs> then don't you know what happens? We get close to the end of our journey and they all fall asleep. We arrived at our destination, they all look like angels. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had a full head of hair before I left, um, and we don't look the same. You know, life, I know it sounds funny, but life seems like those long car journeys sometimes, full of chaos and frustration. When will all the bad be over? When will the pain and suffering end? What about all the evil in the world? Why can't people just do the right thing? We live in this state of chaos. And what we've heard throughout this sermon is, uh, this sermon series called Desire is that this bad that we experience in the world right now isn't just new to us. It's existed right since the beginning. All the way since Genesis we see the same patterns of bad behaviour and chaos that have grown out of uncontrolled desire. And it's not that all our desires are bad, but some desires get us into trouble, particularly when we're in a situation that we don't want to be in. 
See, people are generally impatient. It seems that as time goes on, we get more and more impatient. And deep down, we all want that good life. We all want to be comfortable. We want fun. We want harmony. We want the journey of life that we want, and we want it now. So let's look at how it should have been. I'm going to take you back a few years to a sermon series that we called The Doubter's Guide to the Bible, named after the book of the same, by, of the same name by John Dixon. And we heard this phrase. This is how it should have been. A good God created a good world in which he placed good people to do good work so that they can live the good life. Everything is good. That's how it was supposed to be. That's how it was supposed to be. So they can live the good life. Everything is good. So what is the good life? Well, according to that book, it means living harmoniously. Uh, in community with our God and with others, with a physical world in which God created us for, or created for us. That's how it was supposed to be. But Adam and Eve messed up and we've been messing up ever since. Sin entered the world and as a result we were separated by God because of our sin. And we lost the God capacity to live the good life. As desired by God, God wants us to live this good life. We lost that capacity. And ever since, mankind has been trying to find a way back to the good life. I want that good life. And they've tried all kinds of ways to get there. They've tried other gods. They've tried all kinds of pleasure. They've tried power. They've tried possessions. And even a strict religious life only to fall far short of what God had actually intended. So now instead of experiencing the good life where everything is good, we experience a world that is fragile and uncertain. Is it not? It's full of hatred. It's full of war, evil, poverty, homelessness, homelessness, pain, suffering, sickness, death, and so much more. This isn't how it was meant to be. And no wonder our desires have taken over. Everyone just has, has been in that state of, there's got to be more to life. Uh, or as John Mayer said it, we're waiting on the world to change. We read in scripture that God has set eternity in every human heart. Meaning each of us has the innate knowledge that there is something more to life. There's got to be more to life that we can't see or experience in the here and now. Also in scripture it says, we know that the whole creation groans or has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. What does that mean? It's been groaning. Now, not having been through the pains of childbirth myself, I can't speak as an expert. And I can't even adequately describe what this is. But I imagine creation groans because the world isn't as it should be. We groan because there is pain. There is frustration. 
I imagine it's those, like those moments that you just want to scream because things are too hard. Or there is too much pain. And we're thinking, how much, how long must we endure this? But amongst the pain and frustration, there's also the anticipation of something wonderful at the end of this. So this pain isn't just the, isn't just how it's going to be. It's, there's something beyond this. So the, the pain of childbirth, there's something good at the end. So we're in, we might experience pain, we might experience suffering now, but that isn't the end. Hold on to that. But God in his immense goodness was never going to leave us in this situation of separation without him. His desire all along was for relationship with us. He wanted to have relationship with us. He wants us to experience a good life again. And he was always going to make that happen. So what he did was he slowly revealed his redemption plan right throughout scripture, that he would send a Messiah to restore mankind back to himself. Little bit by little bit, he reveals the mystery of what the Messiah would be like, right through scripture, right from Genesis, right through the prophets. He's revealing his plan, he's revealing that mystery, he's planting hope. There's something better to come. And while the pain is here, he keeps planting the hope. There's hope. There's something beyond this. There's something beyond this. Something beyond this. Something better beyond this. This isn't the end. We might suffer now, but there's something better beyond this. And all along the way, the faithful waited with eager expectation for the one who would come to save them, and they waited a long time. Enter Jesus. The anticipated one. This is the one that they spoke about and written about. And he was, he was the one they've been waiting for to solve all their problems. We're not gonna, no longer going to have this strife. We're no longer going to have this chaos. He's going to save us. But he was nothing like the Jews thought he was going to be. It says in John 1, He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They didn't get it. The Jews believed that the Messiah would come to save them from their troubles. Their land and people were being ruled by the Romans and so many of the Jews expected the Messiah to be a military ruler who would fight the Romans and drive them out. They were expecting another kind of king. Other Jews were expecting a great prophet and leader like Moses. But they certainly weren't expecting the suffering, the suffering servant that Jesus turned out to be. They didn't see that. Um, they certainly weren't expecting him to submit to being taken as he was that he submitted to a crucifixion like a common criminal and to suffer a humiliating end as he did. They didn't expect that. 
This wasn't the kind of leader, that they, the kind of Messiah that they were hoping for. They thought, we want to get out of this trouble, show us a way out. And Jesus had a different mission. I had, as my Bible, one of my major patches was the Isaiah 53 um, thing that we heard earlier. So I won't read it to you again. But I want to throw it on the screen because I want it to soak over us. I want us to understand what Jesus did. Um, and it's just the most remarkable story that we could ever know. Um, because um, we wouldn't write the script like this. We wouldn't have, if we were in the trouble that we're in and we had we were the planning committee, would we write the story like it happened? Um, the story talks about suffering. Uh, we sing the song, Man of Sorrows. We, we, we see crowns of thorns. We see um, Jesus being beaten. Um, it wasn't a pretty story. It wasn't the kind of story that you would expect of someone who would save us from our troubles. And that, that's how it was. And that makes it even more of a remarkable story because it was so fantastic. Uh, it was so compelling. How, how amazing is it that this was how he solved the problems of the world? And we're confronted with the cross. Let's take a look at the crucifixion just for, for these last few minutes and the band will come up and get ready. Where does Jesus and the cross fit into this weariness of waiting? Good question, because I didn't have an answer at the start. Um, but it's this. The cross is the turning point of history. It's the turning point. Um, because it changed everything. Everything. It changed everything. Because prior to Jesus' death, we could not have relationship with God because of our sin. We couldn't experience the good life as God desired it. Now, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, our sins can be forgiven. Amen. We can experience relationship with God as our Father. Eternal life is now available to us and we can experience the good life as God desired it now. Now, I know what you're thinking. The cross may have changed everything, but how come the chaos continues? We still, the desires still get us into trouble and the world is still not as it should be. There's still pain. There's still suffering. Good people are still dying. And this week, um, one of my dearest friends, possibly my BFF, uh, passed away on Tuesday and it's just not right. It's just not right. Creation is still grow groaning because the world isn't as it should be. But I want you to know that this isn't the end of the story. There is hope beyond this. The best is still to come and one day I will get to see him 
and we'll spend eternity together. I want you to hear, I want you to hear that well. This isn't the end of the story. Jesus is coming back again and he will take us to be with him for eternity where we will experience the kingdom of God in its fullness and there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more chaos. Everything will be good again. That's the promise. And in the meantime, God wants us to, he wants the whole world to know the hope that we have. This is why the chaos continues. He wants the whole world to know the hope and love that we have in Jesus. And he wants us, church, to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in this fragile and uncertain world. He wants us to play a part in this redemption story. Yes, there's pain. And there will be pain and suffering and chaos and all those things until he returns again. And we will continue to live in the tension of the now and not yet. The world may continue to be chaotic, fragile and uncertain, but there is a difference this side of the cross for those who know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The difference is this. We've now been rescued. We're already rescued. That's the difference. Or should I say we've been restored or saved? The difference is our sins are forgiven. And we can have a personal relationship with God as our Father. We can experience the good life that God desired for us right now. But this is just a taste of the good stuff that's still to come. And it's going to be even greater than we could possibly imagine. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us now. Uh, He is present with us, in us always. We have the Holy Spirit as our counsellor, our helper, our strength. This is how we get through. And we have the hope of eternity, where the best is still to come. I want you all to know this morning, I want you to know the hope that I have in Jesus. I want you to know, everyone, I want every one of you to know the hope and love that I have in Jesus because I want you to know that gift of salvation is available to everyone, every one of us, not because of anything that we can do to earn it. We can't buy it. We can't be good enough to get it. It's a gift from God. And it changes everything. It's a gift of God because he loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants you to have a relationship with him for all eternity. He wants you to experience the good life that he desires for you. I want you to hear this morning that Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you. And you can have this gift. Everyone can have this gift. If you don't already have it, I want to offer it to you. So why not reach out? and take that gift. That opportunity is available to you today and I or anyone of the ministry team will be happy to talk to you about it. The online host is also available to talk to you about that if if God's touching your heart. um, Just reach out and the online host will uh, be happy to talk to you. Um, Let's pray. God, we're just grateful for what you've done.
And Lord, I pray um, that we won't take this message lightly, uh, but Lord, that we would um, take this hope that we have to this a love that we have in Jesus and that we would share it with everyone who doesn't know. Um, I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know the hope that we have in Jesus and that this isn't the end. This isn't the end of the story, that you have something far better for us. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you will ignite us as a church to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.